Today on the show, we execute the plan, grab the goods, and ride off into the sunset. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and themes behind some of our favorite universes. I'm Kevin. And I'm Jaden. And boy, oh boy, what a show today. We are at the, what would be for most shows, a mid-season finale episode. But this is just a regular old day in the Star Wars universe. Just a uh, just a typical Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day. Whenever you're listening to this glorious podcast... Is that's that day. We just knew it. So, like we normally do in all these episodes, hopefully you guys kind of get the whole gist by now. We're going to do a synopsis coverage. And I would say, I mean, this is fast, right? Yeah, this episode is incredibly quick, so we're going to try to keep it as concise as possible. We trimmed as much fat as we could. There was a lot of running in a lot of hallways and a lot of yelling that we didn't think needed to be mentioned. So we're just mentioning it now. If you think things are out of sync, then yeah, probably, but that's because we cut it for time. <laughs> this is finally uh, back to the shoot-em-ups uh, <laughs> style for Star This Wars. is the war part of the Star Wars. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and stars. There are stars there involved, are, Oh, right? yes, there are many stars in this episode. Well, technically they're meteors, but I guess that's fine. Sure, crystals, whatever. Now, before we get into it, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping, as per usual. We love to hear from our listeners, which is you. Email us at podcast at loreparty.com with all your thoughts, your questions, your episode ideas, all that stuff. You might just hear it in a future episode. If you want to reach out to us in person, you can find Kevin at In The Loop. That's I-N underscore the underscore L-U-P-E on Twitter and K underscore L-O-O-P-Z on Twitch and Instagram. And you can find Jaden here at Mr. Jad J M R J A D. J-A-Y, on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, you can connect with the Lore Party team on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Lore underscore Party. Alrighty, and as usual, before we dive in, if you haven't watched episode six yet, please watch it now. By now, I feel like most of you guys should should, should be caught up. If you're jumping in on episode six, uh, that is a very strange place for you to do, but I will not question your life decisions because it's brought you to us, which is wonderful. So... Let's get into it. So we're going to do a quick ad break, give you some time to catch up if you need to, uh, get some water, get some food, get a snack, get ready, and just hang out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, after that great ad break, let's get into it. We begin our episode with the heist crew getting ready for the big day. Nemec talks to Clem about how it's so weird that he didn't sleep that night. You know, he thought he would, because he thought his faith in the cause would help him sleep, but it didn't. 
And then he kind of gives Clem shit. He's like, you know, you don't believe in anything, but you slept just fine. You slept like a rock. Yep. After this conversation, which I will say we will talk about it yes. later on in the quotes section. After this, we cut to the base and we meet the commander of the whole base. And he's giving this pretty imperial-esque perspective on the nature of the local people. And I have that quote as well written down, and it is really, really, really good. Uh, he's basically just shitting on the locals yep. <laughs> pretty much. That's why I wrote imperial perspective, because he's just like, yeah, oh, these rustics <laughs> are so inept. And he's talking to the um, the engineer commander guy who came from Coruscant, and I did notice he had orangish yellow pins instead of the regular blue and red. Which I haven't seen that before. I don't know. Have you? No. I haven't seen it before. It was very different to me. I, I think it, it denoted him as an engineer is what they were trying to get through. But like, yeah, I've, of course, we've only ever seen the military aspect of it. And actually, this episode brings up a great point. We've only ever seen uh, the Imperial Navy perspective of it. We actually get to meet uh, oh. Imperial Army troopers this episode. And that's the that's the thing here for me. Honestly, I'm so used to the blue and red, like, pins, it caught me off guard. I was like, wait, what? what? Why is that? Yeah, you texted me, you're immediately like, what is that What does that denote? And I'm like, I don't know. I assume Imperial, <laughs> uh, Imperial Corps of Engineers. And uh, right before this scene ends, they're talking to Gorn, who's there. They both uh, turn and look out together. Uh, and they take a sip from their cups at the same exact time, which was, I thought... Very interesting because Gorn is obviously outside of the two of them. And he's kind of looking at them like with detest and kind of somewhat disgust. And then the two of them drinking simultaneously is like kind of like they are both two cogs of a machine and they are, you know. Yeah. Well, he's same. beneath them. You know, they're, they're equals that too. Uh, on a level. And he's he's the, the, the minor background person. So we cut back to... Uh, the team and the team is actually kind of split up. Uh, it's team Clem and team Vel for the purposes of our uh, retelling here. And uh, as they split up, uh, they're going to be communicating via Imperial radio, which as you'll remember, uh, Nemec was talking all sorts of shit about using Imperial equipment, but now he's like, Oh no, we'll work. This is fine for us. And Clem's like, wait a minute. Why? It's because they plan on jamming it except for their own frequency, which I was like, Ooh, that's not going to end badly for everyone. No, especially because we met the comms officer the previous episode. So they get dressed, they put on Imperial Army uniforms, but then they put the Aldani like shepherds gear over top to like hide it. Tarman's like, you know, shouting orders. I think I called him Tamarin last episode. It's Tarman. Clem's like, oh, why is this guy such an asshole? And Skeen's like, oh, they didn't tell you. Yeah, he used to be a (laughs) stormtrooper, which it's like it's so funny that they mentioned that in this episode. Because, like, I think it would have set off alarm bells. Like, like a third of this heist crew is imper- former Imperial officers at this point. <laughs> yeah. And right after that, we cut to Vel and Sinta getting ready. They are overlooking the dam, but on the opposite end. So their section is closer to the water. It's on the complete opposite section. Yeah, they're in, like, a rock. They're in, like, a rock, like, formation. Yep. And they are waiting uh, for the go-ahead and all of a sudden, the meteor shower just barely starts. We see one just fly right over yep. and then another. I thought it was missiles at first. I was like, oh, shit, what's happening? 
I did too. The way it was, the way it was flying and landing, like that was not what I was uh, picturing in my head. The color was also orange too. Yeah, it was. Uh, which, uh, which maybe that was just to denote that it was falling, to, falling to the planet and not like flying past like the other ones are later in the episode. Maybe. Which we then cut to like another meteor flying by, and it, Colonel uh, Pedagar, the engineer, he's looking out through some field specs, and Lieutenant Gorn walks up to him. And uh, he's, you know, the, the colonel's very excited. He's like, ooh, is that the is that the event? Has it started? And Gorn's like, yep, looks like it. And then he gets uh, word from his comlink that the Aldani people have actually started to arrive. Clem and his crew are now taken off the local garb that they had on, and they are blending in as the Imperial Army soldiers. And they start marching with the Aldani visitors. They are behind them and they are walking toward the base as Vel and Sinta are almost spotted by a patrol. Yep. These guys just walk over and they didn't even like do anything. They just walked over there to walk over there. And I thought one of them was going to the bathroom or something. I don't know. Yeah, he was definitely peeing. He was definitely peeing, but she didn't pee on the rocks, which I feel like he probably would have actually peed on the rocks, honestly. If you know anything about peeing in the woods, you would have peed on the rocks. It was weird because it was like, why did they go there? That didn't seem like there was a purpose. I think they were a patrol. They were they were doing a sweep. I guess. Not a good sweep. I think this might be the same group of soldiers that we see at the end inside the building itself, maybe. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because I, uh-huh. I don't okay. I don't get the sense that there's a very large like they said it's a garrison, but it doesn't feel like it's a very large garrison. I would agree. It, I told you, remember, 40 guys or whatever yeah. were there? And it didn't seem, after looking at the whole thing, it didn't really seem like that Well, much. they did say they had to pull troops from Alkenzie Air Base just to cover all of their exits. Yeah, yeah. We cut to the base commander. Speaking of getting ready, he's getting ready with his family. And there's this great sequence where he's like trying to put his belt on and he's too fucking fat so it won't fit. And he's like, oh, th- this belt must have shrunk in the wash. And his wife's like, no, you're just fat. <laughs> like, his family does not want to do this ceremony. They're like, oh, my God. Which is only, like, every three years. I don't know why they're complaining that much. Like, they got, they have to do nothing all day long. The kid's like, I'm sick. Yeah, the wife's making it. She's like, oh, come on, honey. He's sick. And he's like, ah, oh, he's about to feel sick after I get done with him. They're like, you want to get off this rock? We, we need to participate in this ceremony. We need to impress that colonel so we can leave. Cut back to the Aldani and our crew arriving. And they are met by now... Lieutenant Gorn, who lets them pass. Vel and Cinta get the go-ahead. They put on these wetsuits, and they begin swimming toward the base. And meanwhile, inside of the base, uh, the base commander, he's complaining that the way that they uh, have to keep like their lease on the bases on the land, the sacred land that they've gotten for the Aldani, is to exchange animal pelts. And he's so upset about how much, how badly they smell. You know, and he's complaining, and then Lieutenant Gorn shows up. And is like, all right, it's time. He's like, oh, finally, let's get this over with, and then we can eat some good food inside, away from the smell. Typical colonizer bullshit. Yeah, he just—he's just these again. I just keep thinking of that line from the Patriots: "These rustics are so inept." And so he, so you know, the Lieutenant Gorn just like gathers up the VIP party, and he leads them towards the parade grounds. So the main crew is there; they're all standing in formation. You know, the four of them are are locked and loaded waiting for the VIP crew, and they're also waiting for Cinta to check in. Cinta and Vel, they're actually hanging on the side of the dam, waiting because the comms officer isn't at his station like Gorn told him to. He's like standing outside 
making small talk with the Imperial soldiers as they're running by, like, don't let Gorn catch you out of position. They're like, sorry, we're late. I can't believe we're late. Don't tell him, please. And it's like, oh, Gorn is running a tight ship for a reason. It's because he wants to make sure everyone's out of the way for this heist. And clearly these guys are not in their spot. Absolutely. Before they can even move, uh, the heist crew is, you know, they're standing there like, Shinta, come in, please. Anyone? Anyone? And she doesn't answer. Well, then the fucking base commander walks by them and he stops and he looks at Tarman and he's like, are these guys from Alkenzie? And Gorn's like, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely they are. Because that was their idea. Like, anybody from the base questions them, they're from Alkenzie. Anybody from the Alkenzie base questions them, they're from the, the dam base. They're like, we have to have this plan figured out, otherwise we're dead. Now back with Vel and Cinta, they get on top of the dam. Because the comms guy now is finally back in his little booth area. They get on top of the dam. They place a scrambler on the comm unit right under the comm officer's nose. They run over to another area. And then they end up getting the repelling gear ready. The base commander exchanges the pelts with the chief. Gorn's there and he's translating to keep the peace and all that stuff. But he's lying about what the Aldani are saying. And the Aldani know it too. And that's the thing. The, the, the Aldani leader looks at him and is like, wait. He's also lying to the base commander too. He's lying to both. Wait, really? Yeah, he doesn't tell either one of them exactly what the other is saying. Because, like, the, the the base commander, you know, he's saying, like, oh, let him know that, you know, we're here or whatever. And, the, and then he's saying, like, you know, the, the commander welcomes you to this humble ceremony. The uh, the Aldani's guys is like, oh, you know, it's not welcome. Like, this is our land. You've stolen it. And he's like, they're happy to be here, commander. But the thing is, the Aldani guy kind of knows it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. No, that absolutely is true. Like, I, I you know, I wouldn't be it. I was kind of hoping we'd get one of those uh, <laughs> those great moments where, like, you know, the, the person's, like, pretending to do the broker toys is like, we speak English. Like, oh, good. <laughs> but then that didn't happen because I, I think that guy know, knows the commander, like, he would have shot him. This dude does not tolerate any buffoonery. <laughs> so after that, Vel gives the signal, finally, that the second team is fully committed. Everybody's there. We're ready to go. So after the ceremony ends, uh, Clem's team, uh, Gorn set this up perfectly. He's like, all right, squads one through one, one, two, and four. You're here for the night to guard uh, the ceremony. All right, squad three, which happens to be Clem's squad. You guys are going to escort the the VIP party back to base. And as they're walking up, Lieutenant Gorn actually sends all of the troops down to the ceremony field being like, hey, watch that. So they are completely alone on the base, except for the military patrol that we saw run past the comms agent, Kimsey. Which is a great idea. I mean, like, giving them, like, the go-ahead, like, all right, fine. Go watch the thing. Have fun. And you know it's mesmerizing, so you know those guys are going to just stare at it. All of the eyes will be up. They will be up and away from the base. Exactly. So now, once everybody gets inside... The team just springs the trap yep. right into action. They drop their personas. They take hostages. They they got the kid, his son or whatever. They got the wife. They have the guard, everybody. Everybody is obviously surprised. Gorn is nowhere to be found. And, of course, the commander's like, where's Lieutenant Gorn? And, nope, not there. The only person who's not surprised is the engineer. Yep. Pedagar pulls a pistol out right away on Nemec. Nemec, I will say, they put their guard down. Like, let's be real. Yeah, well, and I saw this moment, and I was like, oh, here we go. This is where Nemec is going to die, because I told you he's going to die this episode. And I I literally, like, he pulls a pistol, and I went, well, Kevin's going to be sad. 
<laughs> because because he was like, you know, like let the kid go or I kill this kid. It's like it's a kid for a kid. Yeah, he he says he's like let this boy go or I'm going to kill him and then Cinta just shows up with Vel. Boom, take him out right away. Yeah, just from the side out of nowhere just blows the guy away, which I was like, "Oh, that's awesome." Finally, I hate to say this, but I'm like, finally, Cinta's actually does something. Yeah, I agree. She gets our first kill. First kill of the night goes to Cinta. So they secure the hostages. You know, they they tie them up and they put those these weird like gags over their faces. It was weird. It was weird. They do that to everyone except for the base commander, and uh, they lead him to the elevator. And he's like, uh, the whole time he's like, I can't open the vault. They control that yeah. at the airbase. And <laughs> Vel's like, Vel's like, you want to live through this? Stop fucking lying to me. They clearly have done their homework. They know. Yep. Uh, Nemec also even says in the last episode, yeah, I had a lot of time to study. The best part is, too, is that at this point, uh, the commander is still convinced that Gorn's on their side. So, like, he has no idea who could have told them. He has no clue. Nope. Now, after this, we go back to the comms scrambler. It now kicks in. All the comms have been shut down for the base. And you see the comms guy being like, what the hell's going on? You do overhear randomly some points in this episode while this is going on. Everybody's like, well, maybe it was the it's the storm. Obviously, they're going to try to use the storm as the cover of pretty much everything. It's a perfect yep. cover. Because a lot of people who have, I, I think they even mentioned it, like Lieutenant Gordon says, like, I'm the only one who's been here for any significant amount of time. Most people get like rotated in and rotated out. So a lot of yeah. them might not even know what effect the storm would have on their equipment. Yep. The elevator takes Clem, Tarman, and uh, the base commander up to the command center. And they immediately take more hostages. So now they've got like, I'd say like 10 people hostage. And they leave Sintas uh, to watch over them while they take the base commander down to the vault. And they even say like, hey, if anything goes wrong, your whole family dies. And one thing that's really cool that I liked that I noticed was Vel and Cinta, they kind of hold hands, they look at each other, and they're like, please be safe. And I was like, ooh, romance. So now the comms officer, we go back to the comms officer, he's noticing, you know, everything is is all out of whack here. He notices something's wrong. He just doesn't know Yeah, he's what. even running outside being like, do you guys, are you guys having trouble with your comms too? And the soldiers on the on the guard plank are like, yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, and so he even looks at the tower that everybody's in, and he's just kind of like, hmm. And he's trying to, like, get in contact with the tower as well as the airbase, and nothing is, nothing's going through. Nothing's going through. But you know what is going through? The heist crew, as they go through the base and down to the vault. They find uh, a maintenance crew that Gorn insisted be there to fix uh, that gangplank. They're just playing Sabak instead of uh, actually doing their jobs. So the crew walks in, and they originally they trick them. They're like, oh, Commander's here for a surprise inspection. So, you know, they all line up like they would normally, and then they all pull guns on them and put them to the ground. <laughs> and the, the base commander the whole time, he's like, you know, like, hey, guys, they'll kill. They've killed before. They'll kill again. Please just cooperate with them. And they tell this maintenance crew, like, hey, guess what? You're going to load the cargo for us, which I love. It's a great idea. It's a brilliant idea. Free yeah, labor. Yeah, it's free labor. Because like I was wondering how they were going to get all those credits onto the ship because that seemed they all seemed fucking heavy. Oh yeah. Now it makes sense. They had like ten guys and hover carts to like load. You know, they load it on the hover carts and they move it out. So brilliant. they they open the vaults, they blow the cash box locks, and then they make the base commander and everybody else start loading up the cash 
Meanwhile, uh, Clem and Nemec, uh, they actually get the ship running while Skeen, Tarman, and Vel are like telling everybody, you know, where to put the cargo and stuff. Meanwhile, Gorn is walking towards, he's like sneaking through the base to get over to them the long way. And they're all like yelling the same thing too. They're all like, you know, come on, hurry up. Rah, rah. Yep. Like it's over and over again. It's great. And while Gorn is walking through the base, the uh, lights go out all over yep. the base. He has a flashlight, clearly prepared. So they basically shut down everything in in the base. But the comms officer is able to intercept a frequency and he hears that they've breached the vault. And he's like, wait a minute, what the fuck? And he decides to get a squad together. Yep. They rush to the vault in pitch black. And obviously, because it's pitch black, the event that is now starting is really, really, really getting bright. Yep. Which I think the the people, I think the, the guards on the ground thought they just turned the, light, the lights off to get a better look at the event. Exactly. And now we have the Aldani locals singing and the whole rest of this episode goes back and forth with them singing to what's going on. It's an on. awesome visual, but it's not really relevant to the sequence. That's kind of why we, we're just going to mention it now because otherwise it would take us forever to... It's a lot of back and forth. Yeah. It's pretty much every single part is the back and forth between... It's just to build tension. And it does. It does a great job. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. So we also get a really cool shot of the TIE fighters at the other base scrambling to show up. Because somehow they were tipped off, I guess, by the comms officer. I don't know how he got a signal. So out. Um, they in the in the episode, Sintas is guarding the control room, and Elkenzie calls in. And is like, hey, uh, the locks on the the vault went offline. Like when they blew them up. Like what's going on over there? And then she doesn't respond. It was kind of weird. I guess we. It was a great opportunity for them to do one of those little like uh, situations normal. You know, we're yeah, fine here. Yeah, How are yeah. you? Would have been a would have been a nice callback to have her do it, but then they just didn't, I guess. I gotcha. I gotcha. I honestly I think if Andor had been left up there, sorry, Clem, if Clem yep. had been left up there, we would have gotten a callback sequence like that. But we yeah, didn't. Uh, they just said they just went quiet, so then the they uh, Kenzie scrambled fighters because that's that's their protocol. If something happens to the vault, they scramble the fighters. Which is probably good because they're wrapping up, loading up on the freighter. They got almost all of the gold on, or all the credits onto the ship when Kimsey, the comms officer, arrives with his squad and is like staring at them like, what the hell is going on? All of these men are just ran, you know, rushing to load thousands of millions of dollars onto a ship. And also the base commander is really fucking sweaty and he keeps clutching his arm for some reason. Oh, gee, what's wrong with his yeah, arm? Yeah, he's like, what's going on here? And Gorn, I love this, Gorn immediately tries to bluff again. He's like, uh, you are in the middle of a classified operation. Please leave. You need to go now. Hey, get out of here. And then, like, he doesn't move. So then he goes to the commander. He's like, tell him he needs to leave. And the base commander just has a fucking heart attack. <laughs> and collapses. Which, you know, the best part about that is, is that he probably thinks, oh, fuck, now my family's going to die. Yeah. And also, I mean, oh, fuck, my wife was right. Yeah. I am too fat. <laughs> <laughs> Which he collapses, and then Kimsey fucking does his best Danny DeVito impression, and he just starts blasting. And I started blasting. Although I think, I think actually, I think I take that back. I think, uh, I think Skeen takes the first shot with his with his freaking giant machine gun. I mean, they realize they're fucked. So like, pretty much, you get the firefight right away. 
Yep. And it's brutal. I mean, in this fight, we see Gorn, we see Tarman. They both get gunned down. It's a pretty long fight. Before they can even get onto the ship, too. Like, yeah, um, they couldn't get on Vel the ship. Velnemic and Clem never left the ship. They're still on board. Yeah. So eventually they're able to take off with this whole fire. Yeah, fight. including there's a great sequence where like Clem's trying to get the ship going. One of the maintenance guys like climbs into the ship to like try to try to take him down. Yeah. Which we get a great sequence because Nemec like shoots the guy in the back. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. But when they take off, they take off pretty quickly. And one of the uh, hover, like, uh, what are they? The hover, uh, hover skips, yeah, hover loaders. Hover loaders. It's not, it's not, you know, like, uh, it's not like stuck down. It's not, they didn't tie it down. And it goes flying. Everybody goes flying. And it crushes Nemec. And you can hear the, like, bones go, and you're like, oh. Yep. And was, he's even like, I can't feel bad. my legs. I can't feel my legs. And you're like, yeah. oh, he broke his spine. I literally, and again, I saw that and I went, oh, now he's dead. They faked us out the first time. <laughs> they definitely did. After that, though, they're flying blind. They have nothing. He's supposed to be their navigator and they have nothing. So Vel injects Nemec with a med spike to keep him conscious so that he can plot the path through the eye. Because this shit is wild. Yep. And TIE fighters are pursuing them. And I mean... This visual, I remember I said, I was kind of saying, well, I wonder what the special effects are going to look like. Oh, yeah. Looked great on my TV. Beautiful. Brilliant. I love it. I got one of those uh, light kits that, like, you know, shines the light onto the back wall. Me too. I fucking love that thing so much. And, like, that sequence just looks so good with the lighting effect going on. Yeah. It looked a lot like those things. It was cool. So... They're able to get out of this thing, and the TIE fighters get destroyed because they lose their comms. The whole point was when they're in this this thing, they're not going to have much communication or star pathing. Yeah, the Imperial the Imperial network is disrupted, but that little old box, I guess, isn't because it's old technology not tied into a network. There you go. So they get through the storm. Everything's fine, and they're floating in space. Clem immediately is like, where do we need to go? And Skeen, who's like holding Nemec's hand, is like, we need to go get a doctor for Nemec. And Vels doesn't seem to agree. He's like, she doesn't even want to bother. She thinks it'll jeopardize the mission, but we have a doctor baked into the plan. Yep. And Clem immediately sits down and goes, how do we get to the doctor? Which is, which is great character development for him because originally he would have just cut and run. He would have just left. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But now he's like, nope, this kid saved our life. We got we to gotta save him. And then we also see Sintas escaping in a officer's outfit. So they arrive on a planet with a doctor who is very, very involved in the spine of Nemec. Has multiple arms, is really going at it, while Vel is just standing there looking nervous as all hell. Clem and Skeen are waiting outside, and they start talking, and it doesn't go the way you would think. Skeen is scheming a and is saying like, hey, why don't we just leave? Let's just go. Let's take the loot. There's got to be a shit ton of money there. You know, it's like over 80, was it 80 million? Something like that. 80 million credits, which remind you, a ship only costs about 10,000 credits. Yeah. So like earlier in the other episodes, I was like, ah, that can't be that much. No, it's a lot. Four grand is a lot of money in this world. and, And this is... 
Woo! This is like, you know, Bezos rich. And so he's saying, all right, what if we just split it? What if we leave? You know, and they get into this conversation and we, we got the quotes. Pretty much Skeen's a piece of shit and he lied and he is trying to compare himself to Clem. And before he could even finish, Clem just shoots him right away. Yep. And he goes right into the tent. We find out that, well... Nemec is dead. Dude, they faked us out a third time with that guy. I'm really she says, mad. I, she says, mm. thank you. And you're like, oh, he made it. And she goes, thank you for trying. And I was like, oh, you dicks, writers. Oh, I was so pissed. You dicks. I was not happy. That's all I'm going to say. I was not happy. Clem bursts in, holds her hostage, and is like, here's what happened. And she's like, skiing, skiing. And he's like, he's a piece of shit. And he's fucking dead. And she's like, what? You are a piece of shit. You killed him. And he's like, no, he betrayed us and goes through the whole thing and throws the um, kyber crystal at her. And is like, give this to your friend and make sure he gets it. And she's, he's like, I just want to get paid. I'm going to take my money and I'm out and you can do whatever the hell you want. And so she says, actually, that's okay take this with you and insists that Nemec's manifesto goes to him. Apparently Nemec told her before he went under, I guess, for surgery that Clem needs to have the manifesto. He is the one. He's the chosen one. And he needs to have the manifesto. So he says, all right, fine. Give it to me. Before I die, take my crazy political ramblings. We don't have Tumblr in space, so I wrote it down in this book instead. (laughs) <laughs> the episode ends with this great montage of a bunch of things happening on Coruscant. It is a buzz with activity. The ISB gets called into this big meeting and the head of the ISB is basically like, this is not a meeting. In fact, this is actually a notice to let you all know that you're not going home tonight. You need to check every single, and he says, planetary retaliation plan and make sure they're all ready to go. Which, you know, I didn't think much about that before, uh, when I first saw it, but then I realized, oh shit, they all think that this is enough money to start a rebellion. Exactly. That's why they were saying that, because they're like, this, you know, because if you think about it, like, if 10,000 cre- 10, credits can buy you a, a good ship, imagine what 80 million can buy you. And that's the other thing, too. They didn't get all the money they were supposed to get, but they still got plenty yeah there was i think yeah like half the vault was still full before they left yeah they didn't they weren't able to get all of it which i'm wondering if that was the plan if they knew they weren't gonna be able to get all of it because they didn't seem too concerned well they said that they were late there there was a little bit of lateness in the plan i think it was because the comms officer wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing he wasn't where he was supposed to be wearing like he wasn't where he was supposed to be and also vel was very hesitant to start the whole thing when they were like, are we starting? Are we starting? She kind of was like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She was, that would explain why Nemo was like, we're behind. Like, hurry. Yeah. Like she was really nervous too. Like she was like, clearly like the leadership skill part of her was not really. Well, and that's, that's, that's what what he said. Luthan said the first time we meet her is like, you're a leader, be a leader. Like, you know, she's, she's still not used to it yet. Yeah. Speaking of things going on on Coruscant and leadership, uh, Mon Mothma is actually giving a speech in front of the Senate and no one's paying attention to her. Like, more so than usual. 
because we know that she's not very popular for the Imperial puppets in the Senate. And she finally picks up her like little data pad to like look at it, and she reads that that Aldani has been robbed. Meanwhile, we cut to Luthen, and Luthen's in his shop talking about uh, a little treasure on his desk. And he's like, ah, yes, this treasure's from a dead planet that no one knows what it says. And then one of his other customers in the back goes, do you have anything from Aldani? And Luthen gets scared. He's like, what? Why? He looks terrified. Yeah. Almost he's breaks like, Luthen, uh, rich Luthen character. Yeah, he like he like frowns like his normal Luthen's face. And then the guy goes, oh, yeah, it's just that uh, this thing Aldani plays got robbed. And Luthen's like, I'll go check the back. And the guy's like, wait, no, I was kidding. <laughs> But Luthen doesn't care because he just wants to get back so he can drop his persona. Except that it's kind of the opposite happens because then he he's like frowning when he goes into the back. But then he has like the world's biggest smile on his face because he knows that that now they have a chance. And that's where the episode ends. It's awesome. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, so that was the episode. I think it was awesome. We're going to get into our overall thoughts now. That was an amazing payoff. Ha, pun on words. I love how this episode or this series is like breaking everything up into these great arcs, these self-contained arcs Mm -hmm. with a stretching narrative in the middle that flows and connects everything together. And that person being Andor. Like the first three episodes, it was the Andor series. Then it was the Clem series. And now we're going to see, I don't know what we're going to see after this, you know, wrapped up several character storylines. It, you know, set this and it definitely set the stakes for the show. You know, they were not afraid to tell us about these characters and then kill them. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like nobody's safe here, but Luthen and Clem. I mean, well, is he, is he, is he Clem still? I would say he's, he's by himself now. So I would say he's Andor again. All right. So Cassian. Although he might he might come up with a new he might come up with a new identity for the next episode. Yeah, true, true. I overall thought one, it looked beautiful. Just overall, yes. I thought everything looked looked great. I think the episode was a miss for Vel being a leader because Vel didn't really do a great job in my opinion. But I, I think, think that's fair. That's fair to who say. St- who who stepped up? I think it was Cassian. I think this was one of those things where, because Cassian, you know, he usually is a loner. That's kind of his thing. And now he's part of a team. He got out of his comfort zone for sure. Yeah. And I think he stepped up as a leader toward the end. And I think it really showed. Like, you know, I have to go. What am I? And he's the one who makes the decision to go to the doctor. He's the one who, 
at least wants to try. And then he finds out about Skeen, takes her to, you know, takes takes him out and goes up and is like, here's what you're going to do. And like starts barking orders at Vel. And I think it, it in the back of his mind, he's like, huh, I, I, I did I did that thing. And Skeen was the weak link. Remember, Luthen was like, I got this guy because if there is a weak link, he's going to handle it and he's going to be the backup, if you will. And Skeen, the one that nobody thought of, he was the weak link. He was the imposter. (laughs) And, you know, he was ejected. But overall, I think this episode was great. This episode was great. I think it's I think it was amazing. No notes, 10 out of 10. I don't have any negative. This notes. is what I was like, I was like, man, uh, this show needs to get a hook soon because people are going to start dropping off and this was this was a damn good hook. So there are a lot of quotes in this one that I don't think a lot of people thought about personally. No. Um having watched the episode a couple times now, uh there is there is a lot of vagueness in what's going on, and I don't... The episode does a really good job of showing how nobody is on the same page. You may think they are, yep. or they may have an idea that they are, but they're not. And I think the whole point of you know this uh, heist is to get enough money to put everybody on the same page and, 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 and everything. And we'll kind of get into that here, but we're going to go through these quotes and... Hopefully you'll understand where we're coming from here. Yep. You're even going to get a little bit of voice acting from us. Oh, my. Ooh. The first quote is from Nemec, who it's the first thing really Nemec says. I'm struggling to understand why my faith doesn't calm me. I believe in something. Why am I so unsettled? And this is kind of the beginning of this theme, right? So his faith is within hope, right? Within the hope that they're going to succeed, within the faith that what they're doing is right, but they it doesn't it doesn't settle them. So, is their faith shaky? You know, obviously is this foreshadowing and all that, but but is this like a shaky faith? Why? What are these building blocks? Are they falling apart? What, what I think is it's it? more of just he is he believes that with this act they are building something. And he has faith in what he is building. I think what's what's shaky is that he he he's like he's like you know what fifteen sixteen we really don't yeah, know how yeah, old yeah. he is, but he looks like a young kid. And you know when you're that age, you know the you 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 find an ideal, you stick with it, and like you believe in it so hard. It's like, you know I I almost want to say like he was believing in his version of like. Santa Claus. He's like yep. Santa Claus is gonna happen. Like this is I have to you know this is going to succeed. I believe, but he's like. What if it doesn't? I think that's like he has the faith, but his belief in it is so strong that he doesn't he doesn't foresee a world where that doesn't exist. Now, the next quote is also same conversation. Nemec says, you know, he's he's comparing Clem to them. Yeah, because Clem's basically like, what do you think of me? Yeah, because Clem's a mercenary at this point. Right. He says. The role of mercenaries in the galactic struggle for freedom. My conclusion is simple. Weapons are tools. Those that use them are, by extension, functional assets that we must use to our best advantage. The Empire has no moral boundaries. Why should we not take hold of every chance we can? Let them see how an insurgency adapts. 
So here's the problem with this now. Do they just stoop to the level of the empire, right? Do they they go down to that level? Because they must, because this sounds very much like we must take every chance we can. Uh-oh. Saw Guerrero. This sounds like Saw Guerrero. Yeah, that's, that's the problem, though. Are we going to do whatever it takes? You know, would he kill a kid to, you know, go into a vault? Does that, do you get what yep. I'm saying here? It doesn't. Yeah, no, absolutely. It doesn't sound very moral. It doesn't sound very um, right in general. You know, the, the Empire has no moral boundaries. So why should they? Is this not a contradiction? Right. Is this why his faith is not letting him sleep? Maybe his faith is not as strong as he thought, or maybe what he believes is still just a vague idea and it's not that strong. Yeah, he's he's a young idealistic kid. He doesn't really have. Uh, probably from not probably from a not very wealthy area. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he has ideas. He just hasn't correctly formed them. That's why I imagine his manifesto. Is just a, a random scrambling of ideas. Like yeah. I, oh, yeah. I can't imagine totally. it has a, a huge amount of insight. And totally. I love Clem's response to his line of thinking, because Clem, who's been in the world, he tells him, "Well, you're half right. The Empire doesn't play by the rules. They don't care enough to learn. They don't have to. You mean nothing to them." Yeah, I love that because again. You know, you got Nemec who believes he's a singular individual who believes in the cause. The Empire is an organization of probably billions of people. You know, one person with an idea means nothing to them. And we actually see that with uh, the ISB uh, lieutenant in that building. Like she has ideas and they don't care because they don't need to they don't need to care at this point in time. Yep. And I, I love that parallel. Clearly, that's what makes Andor such a good uh, asset because he knows how the Empire thinks. Exactly. And it just gets demonstrated every single episode. And this also just reinforces what we have been saying, like you and I. The Empire sees them as nothing. They're not worth their time. They don't learn. The Empire doesn't learn because they don't have to, right? There is no threat to the Empire. Yet. Yep. Yet. What Nemec says after this, I think, solidifies a couple things here. Because Nemec rebutes this by saying, do you think it's hopeless? Freedom, independence, justice. We just submit and be thankful. The thing about these words is that they're they're vague concepts, right? These words carry so much meaning and, and, and interpretations by those that use them. Sure, they have like a great beginning stepping stone to build off of, but it's still vague, right? Like when I was in college, I remember sitting in political theory class and there was just one question on the board and it was define justice. What does justice mean? And every single person in that class had a different meaning and they were all really vague. There was no real concrete definition of a word like that. Interesting. It's very interesting to look at these words, freedom, independence, justice. They are not a concrete definition. There's a lot of different thought processes 
behind them. Granted, yes, this is a kid. He's using, you know, like I said, these vague words. He doesn't have any concrete, you know, true ideas. You know, just like what you said, it's just going to be a hodgepodge of just stuff. But to use this as your, as your, you know, reasoning, it's not very solid. And I think that's why it causes a little bit of a problem for Clem because Clem sees this and is just like, do I look like I'm, you know, unhappy here? Like, do I look like I'm hopeless? Do I look like I'm just going to submit, you know, and I'm thankful? And he's like, well, no. Clem, no, I think Clem just even just says, he just says, do I look like I'm thankful? I love yes. that retort. Just do I look like I'm thankful? And Nemec's immediately like, no, which is why you're going to do great. <laughs> yeah. And so I just think it kind of shows that even this group, right? Because there's all these groups out there. Even this group is not solidified in their ideology. And that's the problem with the rebellion right now is you have all these different groups that have a different, you know, a different thing going on. Which also leads us to the next quote. I... I love this quote so much because it just gives such a great insight into the mind of the Imperial War Machine. This is from the base commander describing how he feels about the Aldani people. And it's 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 delivered with such a casual cruelty that I find so typical of the imperial colonizing mindset, and I love it. He says, They breed a sad combination of traits that make them particularly vulnerable to manipulation. He's saying this about the people themselves on an individual level. He says, Mm -hmm. On a practical level, they have great difficulty holding multiple ideas simultaneously. We found the best way to steer them as we'd like is to offer alternatives. You put a number of options on the table, and they're so wrapped up in choosing, they fail to notice you've given them nothing they thought they wanted from the start. Their deeper problem is pride. The Aldanis would rather lose, they'd rather suffer, than accept. Which is wildly ironic, as they've basically choked down everything we've thrown at them these last 12 years. There's a lot to unpack there. That is such a great Great quote, because it is, he thinks that it's the mindset of just him versus the Aldani people, but I guarantee that is the same sentiment across the entire Outer Rim. Oh, I mean, the Donnies themselves, I think, are really good symbolism, right, for the, the beginning of the rebellion. Everyone in the rebellion is scattered. They're still being manipulated by the Empire, just like the civilians. These rebels that are all over the place are still easily manipulated. Why? Because there's not one true path for them to follow yet. The Empire poses different issues all over the galaxy toward different people. There's a different problem that the Empire is posing for this group of the sector, right, of of the galaxy. And then they are a different issue somewhere else. But they're a different issue in in different ways, right? And there's not one true unifying thought process against the Empire yet. Everybody just wants to take them down. And that's like, sure, that's a unifying thing. But like, why do you want to take them down? Because again, 
one group might have, you know, a thought process of we have to destroy XYZ area. And another one is like, well, we you can't do that because we need that area for ABC. And I remember you and I were talking about this in like episode zero, saying like how there would be like infighting within the rebellion before it even solidifies as a rebel, a proper rebellion. Exactly. And they keep putting things in the way, right? So this quote, later on, he's talking about how they put different, like, uh, shops and inns along the path to fighting, you know, to, to, to being where they have to be to watch this event. And a bunch of people stop. Yeah, it's like a 10-day march. So they put a bunch of, like, little little shops along the way. Because it used to be tens of thousands of refugees would come to observe this event. But now they're down to like a 60. Yeah. So basically the Empire puts these little outpost stations and it distracts other people in in, in this 10,000 group or whatever. Now it just dwindles their numbers. But that's kind of what they're doing also to rebellions in the beginning, right? They're making it so they're not unified together. And then you're just stuck with little pockets and this little baby group at the end. But now they have a chance. Exactly. So uh, another quote that we want to talk about, too, is uh, when the base commander realizes that Gorn has betrayed him. This is like right before they finish loading up the ship. And he he just looks at him. He's like, you, you'll hang for this. And Gorn's like, seven years serving you? I deserve worse than that. It was so good. He was just so shocked that that someone of his own could fathom betraying the Empire. Which, honestly, at that point in time, is not that crazy. Because, you know, later on in the rebellion, like two, three years before it's actually, you know, like before we see the Battle of Yavin, it wouldn't be that crazy because they actually have like a military apparatus in place. Like if you betray the Empire, you could just disappear into the rebellion system. There is no system to disappear into yet. Yeah. And it's a great example of a reaction from somebody who couldn't fathom that somebody, one of their own, was a traitor. Because remember... The Empire, they couldn't they couldn't fathom somebody, you know, eating their food, walking on their floors, spitting in their food, you know, all that shit like that. Now we just saw the reaction, you know. Now, the next couple quotes is a conversation between Skeen and Clem. And this is the last conversation they have. Now, the first part of this conversation is they're talking about luck, right? Like maybe Nemec will be lucky and Nemec will survive. Skeen says, yeah, luck. It drives the whole damn galaxy, doesn't it? And that quote right there, I mean, that's going to follow the rebels throughout the whole fight for, you know, independence or whatever have you. That is going to, I think, play a role. Luck, right? They're pretty unlucky, uh, right? Yeah. uh, These rebels are. The rebels we see in the original trilogy are incredibly lucky. (laughs) Exactly. Luck. Runs the galaxy. Now, the next one is Skeen saying, what'd you tell me? You want to win and walk away? Well, 40 million apiece. To Skeen, winning isn't about the Empire. It's about survival, right? He doesn't see, when he says you want to win and walk away, he doesn't see that as defeating the Empire and walking away and, you know, saving the day. No, it's about survival. Yep. Survival within the Empire, adapting, conforming, not changing. Absolutely. 
Well, now, remember we said we'll do some voice acting here. Well, this is the conversation, the, the next section of this conversation, where Cassian emerges out of Clem and realizes something is amiss. So, no rebellion for you? Oh, I'm a rebel. It's just uh, me against everybody else. Where would that put me? 40 million credits is enough for me to forget all about you. And your brother? With the orchard? I don't have a brother. So, just leave them here? Don't play the high mind with me. You're not here to save anybody but yourself. I saw it the first minute you came into the camp. You're just like me. We were born in the hole, and all we know is climbing over somebody else to get out. Holy shit. What a conversation. That is, back again, the survival aspect, right? Winning is not dying. You wonder if this was Skeen's plan from the start? Or if it's where his mind went after he realized that everyone else was dead and all he had to do was fuck over Vel to get away. Because, like, if Tarman was still there, I don't think he would have been talking like this. Yeah, I mean, like, is he going to die? Was it worth it? I agree. I agree. I, I mean, kind of. Like I said, winning is not dying. That's what he sees now as winning. I th- and I think I think he's wondering too. Like I don't. He's maybe he's like this is you know if this is how working for the rebellion is gonna go. I'm probably gonna die on my next mission. But at the same time, though, he could be thinking this could have been his plan from the very start. He could have been like, I'm gonna join this crew, go with them, and then fuck them all over and steal the money. But see, here's the thing. Here's where I think it was his plan all along. He didn't have a brother. Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time with that, uh, Andor's real name isn't Clem. (laughs) I agree, I agree, I agree. So, you know, like I said, the last episode, everybody's got secrets, and that's kind of the theme of that one. Yeah, I mean, it could be a Mr. Pink situation, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that's none of their real names. But now for him, for Skeen, the Empire is just the obstacle. So all you need to do is climb over the next person just to safety, right? Look out for you and everyone else is just collateral. This is him doing, I think, what Nemec kind of suggested in the beginning, right? Adapting like the Empire. Because Nemec was very much, you know, earlier saying like, oh, the Empire, we should take every advantage we, we can get, you know? I just think this is kind of partially to blame for that i mean that's an interesting way of looking at it i suppose i think it's more of just i think it's more of you know getting to the real reason like people I, I saw people saying online like why did andor shoot him like that you know like why do you do that and i'll tell you right now it's because andor realized that that nemec was or andor realized that skeen was very much right that they were both reflections it's just oh, that yeah. Skeens was a little darker. Oh, totally. You know, I, I because like because when he's when he was backed up against a wall with those two security officers, he killed. And I think that Andor realized that like that's what the stakes were in that moment. Because if Andor said no, I think Skeen would have killed him. Because I agree. otherwise, he would he would have risked agree. revealing himself. 
I think Skeen would have I think Skeen would have killed him and then he would have taken Vel hostage to get him to that moon that he was talking about, that abandoned moon. Yep. And I think he would have killed yep. Vel there. I also think that him killing Skeen is kind of like him saying goodbye to that aspect of himself. I'm not going to say that he's not going to act like that in future episodes and kind of, you know, look out for himself more. But I think that this may be maybe foreshadowing or just a symbolism of him shedding that very negative aspect of thought. I think that's no, that's a great way of looking at it. That's absolutely what it is. Now, the last quote we have is from Luthen when he's describing the item to this shop person. He says, there's an inscription on that one in a language no one remembers. She says, how sad. He says, no, it's liberating. You can decide what it says, your own secret language. The lost language of what it was like before the Empire. Think of it like that. But now the rebels get to set their own language, right? When, when, when the rebellion is truly set, they get to set their own rules. They have the, quote, freedom to walk a better path, better than the Republic, better than the Empire. They have the money to do that. <laughs> True. But they get to set their rules now, their language, if you will. Their manifesto, right? This is also in contrast with the Empire, who is also writing their own new dialect for the galaxy. They are overriding this lost language of the Republic. And we even see in the ISB, they're getting ready to write a new chapter. And this chapter is how do we deal with rebellion? Because that's what that ISB exactly. chief is seeing. He's like, there's no other way, no other purpose that these people could have for stealing 80 million credits. Exactly. There's oh, there's so much in this episode, even though it's a lot of shoot 'em ups. Yep. So questions. We have a couple questions yes. here. Um, um, I think I think I'll let you go first with the questions because I'm curious to know what you, you're the you're the guru of it yeah. all. So I'm very curious. I mean, I think my biggest question now, you know, the game has begun. The rebels have the money that they need, but how is that money going to be distributed? Because if you have seen any heist movie ever, you know, the, the line that keeps sticking in my head from Ocean's Eleven when they steal the money and the guy goes, if I catch you next week in Palm Beach buying a Lamborghini, I'll be very disappointed. And I'm thinking... <laughs> it's like Goodfellas, it, too. It's like, you know? Yeah, don't like spend Goodfellas. the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did I tell you? Don't spend the fucking money. Bring it back. Return it. Return yeah. it right the now. The car's Get in my wife's it. name. It's fine. <laughs> Like so, yeah. so what are they? You know, are we are we gonna have scenes of Luthen like running up to his base commanders and being like, "Where the fuck did you buy that Y wing? It's okay, it's in my wife's name." <laughs> like, like how are we gonna? How is that money gonna get distributed? Because they are they are strapped for cash, and it's gonna take time to like train people and get people to use it and organize. I think the other and the other question I have is Gorn dead? Because we definitely saw uh, yeah. Tarman, like we got a real good shot of Tarman dead on the on the ground there. But Gorn kind of gets shot and just falls off screen, and then we kind of forget about him. I think he's going to be alive next episode, and I think that means we're going to get to watch the Imperial Security Bureau interrogate someone. I think that would be really, really good, like for storytelling, which would help us tie in Andor. Because honestly, they get away clean; they really do. All oh, they yeah. left behind were bodies. But if Gorn's alive, they can get info out of him. 
Yeah, I think that's that's that makes sense. I mean, to move the story forward. Gor- well, I should say this. Gorn's alive for now. I don't think he'll survive the Imperial interrogation. <laughs> and then I think that that has something to do with our uh, our fun friend Karn. Yep. Because he's the one who knows about Cassian. I kind of wish they had set up Karn a little bit more, like making him like, I'm the expert on Andor. You know, like if they'd made him like a nosy sheriff who knows Andor's like a pain in the ass kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. Andor has a reputation mm-hmm. on his on his planet and several other planets, like clearly of like owing people money and doing odd jobs. So it would have been kind of nice for them for him to be kind of known, but maybe then he wouldn't have been as appealing to Luthen as an asset. I don't know. Oh, yeah, totally. My questions are more like, I I just want to know where we're going with bringing everybody together. Like the, the formal rebellion, right? The formal like alliance. Because, you know, we've, you and I have played The Force Unleashed and we've seen how that kind of rebellion starts, right? Yeah. They've kind of already been together, but it's still new. And we now also have that show Rebels. Like we, we have stuff and information Ah, but this is... This is different. This is clearly... Yeah, this is clearly like, let's start from the ground up. This is step one. So I want to see where it goes. I want to see how all the puzzle pieces kind of come together. And I, again, Luthen, who the fuck is this guy? I got to know more about him. Oh, I'm sure we'll learn plenty by the end. So final thoughts. What, where, where are you going on this one? I think that next episode is going to be a, a reset, a telling of a new arc. Like I said before, this arc, this arc stuff is great because it's still connecting, interweaving story, but it's telling individually contained things. I think I think we're going to see a, a little bit more movement. I think Luthen's going to track Andor down and you know get him to to join the cause once more. I think honestly, I think Luthen, I think Vel's gonna go to Luthen and be like, he killed Skeen. Why did he kill Skeen? Oh, because he said that Skeen was gonna betray us. And Luthen's like, that was awesome of Andor to do that. That's great. Yeah, I definitely would agree. I think the storytelling arc stuff is great. I'm enjoying it. Kind of anime-esque, actually, and I'm having fun with that. I would like to see how Vel reacts to all this with Luthen, because remember, she was supposed to be the leader, right? Yep. Pretty much everyone's dead. Her yeah. whole team is dead. Now, granted, this was a suicide mission. Um, I would like to know how Luthen sees it. You know, I could see Luthen being like, two people lived, and okay, you lost three. One of which we now know was a piece of shit. Possibly four. I say three because possibly yeah. four. So I'm curious to see his thoughts on how he feels Cassian reacted. Now, is he invested in Cassian? Is he going to look at Vel and be like, man, you really fucking suck? I don't know. I would like to see his reaction. Overall, I think the episode was great. I think it did a great job of the wrap-up. It was a climax the whole time. Felt like, you know, on edge, what's going to happen? And they faked this out really well and a lot of stuff. Looked great. I I think this, great episode. I I had a blast. And I am definitely looking forward for more. Alrighty, guys, with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you 
on the next one.